series that uh, we are going to have this summer. In the mornings, we are going to be doing the book of Jonah, and in the evenings, the book of Nahum. Both of them are preaching to uh, an Assyrian empire, to the people of Nineveh, and we're going to be looking at how these two books work together in revealing just truly uh, the relentless grace of God. Now, Uh, The book of Jonah is a really unique prophetic book. It's not too often that you have books like this where typically if you read a prophetic book, you read about the prophet saying words to whoever is being judged. And this is a book that tells us about what this man did. Instead of the message of what he's preaching, it's all about what he's doing, and we're going to realize that what we have is a stubborn prophet and an amazing, gracious God who is working to try to turn this prophet around. If you have your Bibles, I hope you'll have them open to Jonah chapter 1. That is page 920 in the in the Pew Bibles. The minor prophets can sometimes be a little bit of a challenge to find, but uh, those Pew Bibles are nice with big print and white paper, and you can use those uh, to follow along with us th- this morning. Uh, the, the book opens very simply. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. And that's all that we know about Jonah uh, is simply that declaration. His name only appears in terms of his prophetic work in one other place. We read about him in Second Kings chapter 14 that we're told about the prophecies of Der- or the reign of Jeroboam II. He had the prophecies of Jonah fulfilled. And so that gives us a ballpark that Jonah may be preaching around 800 BC. But what we are told about Jonah here is certainly interesting because he's given a very simple command in verse 2. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. It's useful to note that the Assyrian Empire in that day and time is the world empire of the day. It's really the first time in world history that you have an empire that is building itself in that way. It was known as one of the most ruthless and cruel empires to have ever existed in world history. The book of Jonah doesn't really tell us much about that. The book of Nahum certainly does. We'll be there tonight and we'll be talking about some of those pictures of of what Assyria was doing. You will notice that verse 2 just gives a summary. For their evil has come up against me. This is a wicked empire, a wicked nation, and Nineveh is the capital of this wicked nation. And Jonah is told in a very simple message, you need to go and preach to them. And it's important to know that nobody liked Nineveh in the world. Nobody liked Assyria. As certainly the people of Israel did not like them because the Assyrians were a constant threat and a constant problem. In fact, it would be the Assyrians that would take that northern nation of Israel, the capital Samaria. In fact, on the map, you can see swallowing up everything except that little itty bitty green little spot right there. You might see 
You might remember why that held, because Hezekiah is praying during the days of the Assyrians that are conquering everything, and he prays, and we have that great scene of the angel of the Lord wiping out 185,000 and sending them on back. So you get that one little itty-bitty green, and all the rest is Assyria. So nobody likes Assyria. They are ruthless. They are cruel. They would take away people by putting large hooks in people's noses and dragging them away back to Nineveh. And Jonah is told now in his message, I want you to go up and proclaim the message against Nineveh. But notice what verse 3 says. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. And he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. And when you read that, I think you have to just be stunned. God tells the prophet, go up to Nineveh. Jonah hears the word of the Lord and goes down to Joppa. Not only does he go down to Joppa, it says he goes and he finds a, a, a boat that is ready to go across the sea. And it says he pays the fare and he goes down into the ship. And at that spot of the reading, you're supposed to be asking yourself, what is Jonah doing? <laughs> what are you? You were told to go to Nineveh. This is the first time we read something like this. You are not getting the Isaiah, here am I, send me, let's go. Here is Jonah going, here I'm not, I'm out of here. You want me to go to Nineveh? I'm not going to Nineveh. You want me to go preach to the Syrian Empire? No chance. I'm not going up, I'm going down. I'm out, I'm going to Joppa. What is Jonah doing? What exactly is he thinking? Because every reader would see this and be shocked. That a prophet of God, a prophet whose prophecies have come true according to 2 Kings 14, is now running from the presence of the Lord. So let's consider what he's doing. So twice you were told in verse 3 that Jonah is running from the presence of the Lord. Now on an absolute level, we read that and we go, well, you can't run from the presence of the Lord. Silly Jonah What are you thinking? Where are you going to go to hide from the presence of the Lord? And so here is foolish Jonah who thinks he's going to get away from God. And obviously you can't run away from God. And I don't think that's what Jonah's doing. I think it is pretty clear that Jonah knows you can't run from God. You might notice in chapter 1 and verse 9 when he's on the ship, a part part that we'll look at next week. But you'll notice he says something about God there. He says, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. He does not seem to look at God as, well, he only rules over the land of Israel. As long as I get on a ship, then God's not there. That's not what's happening. I don't have Jonah thinking that somehow, way, he can get outside the scope of God. Because he proclaims, I'm a Hebrew. And I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and all the land. What is useful to consider when the scriptures talk about the presence of the Lord, in particular for a prophet, 
That often would represent that that would mean you were proclaiming God's message. A couple of good examples of that are found with Elijah. When Elijah stands before Ahab, he will say words like this. As the Lord lives in whose presence I stand. Here's Elijah saying, I'm standing in the presence of the Lord. What does he mean by that? Well, what he means is I'm speaking God's words. I've been sent by God and I am proclaiming here's what God says. So for a prophet to run from the presence of God is not that he thinks that the Lord doesn't have sovereignty over all the earth. But what you need to hear is Jonah saying, I quit. I'm not going to be your prophet anymore. I'm retiring. I don't like what you've told me to do. And therefore, I'm going to leave. Now, realize that makes a lot of sense because if all that Jonah wants to do is not do what God says, then just stay in Israel. Why the whole go to Joppa, get on a boat, get in the sea and go as far away as you can? What are you trying to do? Obviously, it's far more than just, I don't feel like going to Nineveh, which is bad enough. He said, here's God say, go to Nineveh and proclaim to them. It's far more than that. Jonah's saying, no more. I'm out. And we'll see that come true in the rest of chapter one next week, Lord willing. He's done because he doesn't like what he's been told to do. And it might be so shocking to us to see somebody like the prophet of God who does not like the command of God and say, I don't like what God has told me to do. And so I quit. I'm out of here. But maybe we shouldn't be so shocked at that idea. Maybe that's not such an unusual response to God's word and will after all. He does not want to do what God says. And so what he does is he runs the other direction. And I want us to see something important here that is happening in the life of Jonah. That is something that I think is hard for us to get our hands around sometimes. Is that God tells us to do things that we don't want to do. God told Jonah to do something he did not want to do. And what is the temptation when God tells us to do something we don't want to do? Pride. I'm going to leave. I'm going to quit. I'm done. I'm over it. I don't like it. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit. We live in a time right now in which we think God needs to operate on our wishes and standards. God, you can't tell me to do something that I don't want to do. God, you can't tell me to do something I don't like. God, you can't tell me to do something that's uncomfortable, right? And that's where Jonah's at. Here is God saying, go to that wicked nation, that wicked capital city, that cruel, horrible people, and I want you to preach to them. Jonah says, you know what? I'm not going to do it. He's a prophet of God. But he does not like what God has told him to do. And so since he doesn't like it, 
Not only is he not going to do it, I want you to see this and underscore this. He's quitting. The reason he is going to Tarshish, and we're not exactly sure where Tarshish is. It might have been in Spain and some other possibilities. But the reason for Tarshish, as you're told in Isaiah 65, that Isaiah prophesied that the presence and the word of the Lord had not yet come to Tarshish. So Tarshish makes sense. If you don't want to be a prophet anymore, let's go where God is not going to tell you to be a prophet anymore. Let's go to a place where he's not going to tell me to get out there and do a work. I quit. I'm done. Here's my prophet card and I'm out. And so he's turning it in and he's getting on a boat and he's leaving. Unfortunately, I cannot tell you how often I have heard people say to me, I don't like what God is doing in my life, so I quit God. I don't like what God has commanded, so I quit God. I don't like what I have to change, so I quit God. I don't like the things that I have to give up, so I'm quitting on God. I want us to realize that what Jonah's doing is not that far away from the things that we are tempted to do. I don't like what God says. I don't like how God is operating. We're going to hear Jonah say it in chapter four. He's going to say, I I don't like how you run things. And so that's why I ran. That's why I quit. I don't like what you're doing. And so I'm out. And we choose to stubbornly rear up against God and run the other way because we don't like what God has told us to do. Now, I want you to think about how this scene unfolds, because this could have gone a completely different way. You know, verse three could have said, so Jonah went down to Joppa and God made sure that there were absolutely no ships there for him to have no chance to run away and comes to him and stumps him in the head and says, what are you doing, Jonah? Could you get back on track and let's get back to work? That's not what happens. I want you to notice that there is an opportunity to run here. He goes down to Joppa and lo and behold, there's a ship. Now, I think it's important to keep in mind, this isn't 2023 where, you know, hey, look, there's a cruise ship. Hey, let I pay the fare and jump on board like that was just going on all the time. But it just happens that there's a cargo ship that's going west. And he says, perfect, let me go too. Friends, I want us to notice that there is always an opportunity to run from God. And please notice this. If you want to run from God, he'll let you. If you want to go the other way, he's not going to stop you. There's not some big invisible wall there in Joppa. And he goes, well, I guess I can't go. If you want to run from God, he'll let you run. If you want to quit, he'll let you quit. And what I think is always fascinating is that there is always something that will be in your life that is going to give you the encouragement to quit. 
You know, it would have been interesting if Jonah ended up stranded in Joppa. Now he's like, well, now what do I do? <laughs> Can't do it. I... No, it is fascinating that there is always the opportunity to run. It's almost like you feel like it's divine. Oh, well, God wants me to run the other way. Look, this ship just happened to be here just at the right time, and I can just pay the fare. And God clearly wants me to not do what he says. Because, look, the ship is here. There's always an opportunity to run, and there's always something in your life that's going to give you that encouragement to quit. You can always put your finger on something and go, well, this shows me that I need to be done with God. And that's what Jonah's doing. Jonah's like, perfect, ship's here, let's go. I'm done, I'm on my way. I want you to notice something interesting about this scene, though. It's a curious detail. It's a detail that's easy to pass over. Because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Why, why put this in here? What does it really matter? Because it says that, Jonah paid the fare and went down into the ship. This book is going to set up a lot of pictures for us. And one of the pictures that it's already setting up is Jonah's going to pay the price for running the other way. Jonah's going to pay a price to quit on God. And God tells us that. That shouldn't be a surprise. If you've grown up in the pews, you know Romans 6, verse 23. The wages of sin is, you know, not paradise in a hammock with a pillow. Death. You're going to pay the price for running the wrong way. You're going to pay the price. Your life is not going to go like you think. Jonah has a particular vision of, in mind. Of how this is going to go when he gets on the ship. If you grew up in the pews, you know. He ain't getting very far. <laughs> He's got them in his mind. Oh man, I've got it made. The ship is there. I'm going to make it. I am running from God. I am done with God. It is looking like smooth sailing. It's going to be great. Isn't that the temptation? The temptation is always run from God. Your life is going to be better. Run from God. It's going to be so much better. Do what you want to do. Reject God. Don't listen to what he has to say. And it's going to go so well for you. And here is God already setting the stage. You're going to pay the price. You're going to pay the price. You run. It's not going to go the way you think. And I hope that you might just take a moment right now. And think about how many times perhaps in your life you've decided to not do what you know God wants you to do. And you've had to pay a price. There has been a fare that has been paid. There is a cost to those decisions. And Jonah is going to pay a price for running from the presence of the Lord. Let me give us one other picture that's given here, because I think as these first three verses open up our story, it helps us to see something that I think is really important, that when we read Jonah, you're supposed to see that Jonah's story is your story. What we are going to see as these four chapters unfold over what I believe will be six lessons over the next few weeks 
is you are going to see how Jonah's story is ultimately our story. One of the things that is fascinating is the directions that are given, even in the first three, three verses. The Lord tells Jonah to go up, and twice we're told Jonah goes down. And if you know the story, he's going to keep going down and down and down. God's saying, I want you to go up. And this is always God's call. I'm trying to call you upward. Go up. Listening to me is what is good for your life. I'm trying to send you upward, the right direction. And as we disobey God, what we are doing is choosing to go downward. Twice in this one sentence, Jonah went down, he went down, and he's going to keep going down. And us turning away from God is always that picture that we are choosing to go down to Joppa, verse 3, and then down into the ship as well as in verse 3. And this is what we fail to see with God, that God is calling us upward. But when we disobey, we are simply moving ourselves further and further downward. Notice the New Testament does pictures like this as well. For example, Colossians 3 and verse 1 If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things. Can I use Jonah? Downward, earthly, worldly. God is always calling for our minds to be upward. I'm giving you commands and laws and love and and, and rules so that you will go upward with me, not downward into earthly and worldly things. The Apostle Paul said it this way. I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, let those who are mature think this way. That what we would do is that we would look at the ways of God, the paths of God, the commands of God, the teachings of God as the upward path. You know how many times we don't do that? How often do we look at God's commands and do we think, God's commands are going to make it worse. Right? Satan comes and says, if you do what I want, your life is going to be better. Upward. Improvement. God's ways are downward. Useless. Awful. Terrible. Painful. Follow the temptation and go upward. And here's God constantly trying to say, no, I'm giving you the upward call. I'm giving you the direction that you need. I'm trying to put you on the right path. And so often we don't look at God's commands that way. We don't like what he says, and so we run. We don't like what he says, so we quit. And I want you to see that Jonah's in that circumstance. But I want you to see something else. Notice that verse 3 
is not the end of the story. You know, this could have said, the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, arise, go to Nineveh, go preach to this wicked people. And Jonah, he gets up and he goes down to Joppa and he goes into the boat and God goes, well, I lost a prophet. Guess I need to call somebody else. I want you to notice the beginning of verse four. But the Lord. It is fascinating that God is not done with this wayward prophet. You know, God does not come and say, all right, as he pays the fair barbecue him as he walks the plank onto the ship and say, all right, this is what happens when you disobey me. I'm sick and tired of wayward prophets. The Lord says, go. Jonah goes the wrong way, gets on the ship. And verse four begins, but the Lord. Because he's not done with this wayward prophet. And in the same way, God's not done with you. Even if you've been running. It is such an amazing picture that I look forward to sharing with you over the next few weeks in seeing the relentless grace of God. God is going to chase this prophet down. And God chases his people down. You may have been running from God. But that doesn't mean that God is done with you. And you may have heard that God wants you to do something and you've rejected it. That doesn't mean that God's done with you. You may have paid the price and got on the ship and you said, I quit. But that doesn't mean that God is done with you. God relentlessly goes after his people. This could have been the end of the story in verse 3 that Jonah gives up on God and so God gives up on Jonah. And yet the whole rest of the book is going to be how God has not given up on Jonah even though Jonah has given up on God. We have an amazing God. And this book wants to reveal that to us. You may have gone downward, but that doesn't mean God is not at work to move you back upward. That God is not moving in your life to try to get you to stop running from him, but to see where you are, to look at your circumstances, to see the price that you've paid, and to consider that it's time to move back upward toward God. Listen to how the Apostle Paul worded it. Because Jonah's story is our story and our story is Jonah's story. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. You know that should be the end of our story right there. That should be it. We've all run. We've all said no. We've all quit. We've all rebelled. We've all said forget it. We have all chosen from different times in our lives to say, I don't like what God says and I'm not going to do it. But Jonah's story is our story. 
And notice the imagery. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he had for us, made us alive with Christ. Even though we were dead in our passes, you are saved by grace. He's raised us up. We keep trying to run down. And God keeps trying to raise us back up. You may be running. But God is seeking to have you back. Chapter 1, verse 3. In verse 2, God says, go to Nineveh. Verse 3. But Jonah rose and ran. And verse 4 is, but the Lord. And I want you to think about where you are in your life today. That God is not done with you. And it doesn't matter if your plans were to go as far as Tarshish. He's not done in working to bring you back. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, it is hard to fully grasp the depth of love that you have for us. And Lord, it is hard to understand the amazing love that so often we have tried to run far from you, that we've disobeyed, that we've wanted to quit. And you do all that you do to to continue to bring us back. Lord, I pray that you will help us to see how our rebellious decisions are paying a price. Lord, help us to see that running from you only takes us further down and does not raise us up to where you want us to be. Lord, thank you for being faithful for the times that we have quit, that you have not quit on us. Lord, I pray that you would prick the hearts of each one of us here today. That this relentless grace and love of yours would just rest in our hearts. So that even if we feel that we are far from you, that we would see that you are there and that we can turn back to you today. And Lord, thank you for your son that makes that possible. Lord, thank you for not allowing verse 3 to be the end of our story. But because you are full of love and mercy and grace, our story continues. We pray that we can be faithful servants of yours as we turn upward back to you. In Jesus' name, amen. How can we help you today? Have you been running? 
Is there something that has happened in your life that has made the decision for you to run from God? You've decided to quit. You've turned in the card. You've said, I'm done. No more. I'm leaving the presence of God. I want you to see that God is not done with you. And we want to help you in that process of coming back to him. Of turning your eyes upward and seeing a gracious God who wants you to come back to him with all of his his heart. How many stories does God have to tell to try to communicate that love to us? The parable of the prodigal is probably why that's a favorite to us. How you can see somebody like this son who throws his life completely away. And yet the father is still there looking, wanting his son to come back. He wants you back. You might have paid the price and you might have gone a long way, but he's there to take you back. Can we help you do that? Turn away from your sins. If you have not been immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins, let that be the start point to get your life right with God, to have those sins washed away, to begin new with him. We would love to help you do that today. If you have done that and you have still jumped on the ship like this prophet and ran away, it's still not too late. Come on back. Come back to him this very day. If you're ready to do that, you can let one of us know that's sitting next to you. Talk to Dan or myself afterward, or you can come forward right now while we stand and while we sing.